We made this. Life's Milestones, the podcast about naming ceremonies, weddings and funerals here on the We Made This Podcast Network. My name's Mark Adams and I am a humanist celebrant. That means that I am trained and accredited by Humanists UK to write and deliver non-religious naming ceremonies, weddings and funerals. This is my fortnightly podcast where I talk to people about the milestones in their lives, birth, relationships and death. And my guest this time is a fantastic woman who we call Dr Lulu. She is an inspirational woman with an incredible story to tell and she's dedicated a significant portion of her life to prevention of youth suicide. She even has a podcast on that called Suicide Pages with Dr Lulu and she's an incredible woman and it's an absolute delight to have her on Life's Milestones. And I'll tell you the story about how we met before we get into the interview with her because I think the way we met is important because we share similar values despite not having the same faith. So I was on a forum for podcasters on Facebook and I was casually looking for new guests, people I didn't know that would be able to bring different stories to the podcast. And I was reading a post about someone who had a quandary over whether or not they would take down an episode. And the quandary was they'd recorded this episode and they'd scheduled it and they put some effort into it. But the person had asked them to remove the episode because they'd said some sensitive stuff in it. And for me, This was an absolute no-brainer, no thought required. Your guest has asked you to take the podcast down. You take the podcast down, particularly if it's over some sensitive subject matter. But there was a huge discussion by people claiming that journalist integrity would mean that you could keep it up and that it didn't matter that they'd asked you to take it down. There was talk about things like making sure you get people to sign an agreement and things like that. And I was appalled by this. Podcasting isn't journalism. It isn't professional radio. It is people who have something to say to people who want to listen. It's a hobby. It's fun. It's cool. And yes, some people make money off it. But I was blown away that this was a debate. And so was... Dr. Lulu. And we both put, you know, just have some empathy. This person has asked you to take this down and it's a shame that you've lost that work, but have some empathy. And I clocked this with her and we just got chatting. I didn't even really think that she was a potential guest for Life's Milestones, but turns out she was absolutely perfect. So I think this is an important thing to highlight is that we don't have the same faith. I have none. (laughs) And it doesn't matter because there are some shared values that are worth celebrating. And I made friends with an incredibly interesting woman. And I'm looking forward to sharing this interview with you because she's got some incredible stories to tell. She's had a hell of a life. 
So I'm going to get into that now. Enough of me. Here's my interview with Dr. Lulu. With me at this time is Dr. Lulu. Hello, Dr. Lulu. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm as good as can be expected in the current situation. How about yourself? I tell you, it's cold in Texas today. So when I went out for my exercise, I came back cold. But otherwise, the weekend was nice and warm and very nice. So besides the weather, I guess I'm okay. It could be worse. <laughs> Do you know, I know it's wrong, but in my head, because of American television, Texas is always warm. My image of Texas is that it doesn't ever get cold. How cold does it get? <laughs> it gets cold enough. depends on where you live. If you live in um, northern Texas, like Dallas, Denton, they get a good bit of snow over there. I live in San Antonio, Texas, but I call it North Mexico because really we're basically in Mexico. We're two hours from the border. Uh-huh. I mean, Texas as a state has more area, more land than Britain. I think I'm right in saying that, aren't I? I don't know about Britain, but I know it's bigger than Nigeria. So, yeah. <laughs> and I say that because it takes about 13 hours, good solid 13 hours from one end to the other. But in Nigeria, it only takes about 10 hours, and that's with bad roads. So imagine right. if we're good. So what we're saying is Texas is massive. Well, I mean, they like to say that everything is big in Texas. They like to say that. I'm going to stop at that because, you know, we just had a very weird election. I'm st- I still have the scars from from the results of the election. So if I say something, I might I might get into trouble. But it's usually, it's usually good trouble, so it's okay. Because right? I can't believe that in a year where a black man was essentially murdered in, in the morning daylight, broad daylight, we still had an election where it was basically almost 50-50. And it just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So let me just leave that alone. Mm, but we now have a black vice president-elect. I mean, but you know the funny thing, though, even though she went to Howard, which is my school. So I, I went to Howard University Hospital. I mean, I went to Howard University, but I went to the hospital because I'm a doctor. Mm-hmm. But even though you know, I'm really excited about that because her brother-in-law, her brother-in-law is actually Nigerian. So I'm really excited. But the first question they asked was, is she black enough? So it's like, you know, you can't win with these people. No. No. So we're going to do a little bit of a guest profile. You've already mentioned that you are from Texas, but also you have Nigerian heritage. But the first Mm -hmm. question is normally quite a personal one. But, you know, how old are you? I'm 52 years young in March. I'll be 52 years young. So I like to call myself a queen angel. (laughs) You approve of this term. (laughs) So we know you're from Texas and you have Nigerian heritage. Do you want to give us a little bit more on your background? I like to say I was born, bred, buttered and slightly burned in Nigeria. It was good. My parents and my family are still there. We're trying to get my dad as a today to please, when he goes to the village, please take it easy and not, you know, and, and wear his mask and try his very best to physically distance. But that's, I don't know, my dad, mm. Is the social animal of all the social animals, so I don't know. But yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I went to, my dad was in the military, so we moved around a lot when I was young. And then I went to an all-girls high school, and then I went to med school, and then I took the exams and came here. I'm the first of six kids, three boys and three girls. 
Then it's me, then my brother, then a sister, then a sister, then two brothers in that order. Mm-hmm. And it's cool. everybody's doing well. My dad just turned 80 on the 12th of December. But the ironic thing about it is, <laughs> according to what he told everybody, he's supposed to be 77. So we're like, okay, so then what, wait, which, which age is it? He said, well, if I say I want to be 80 years old in, 19, in 2020, then by George, I am. So we're like, okay. So now he's 80, but he was supposed to be 77. But my mom kind <laughs> of put us in a street. She was like, well, in all fairness, when they were born in those days, they didn't have any records. They don't really know. So he was born in 1940, which is what makes him 80 this year. And I, if I know my dad, I think he just, he just likes the, the numbers, the fact that it's cool to turn 80 in 2020. So he literally woke up that morning of his birthday and said, okay, I'm 80. We're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who does that? Oh, you gotta love him. So yeah, so now he's 80, but Facebook has him at 77. And we were like, so my son was like, mom, wait, is grandpa 80 already? I thought he was just, I said, dude, if the man says he's 80, he's 80. So that's, <laughs> that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of family that I have. And then I have my baby brother lives in Switzerland with his wifey and then the rest of them, are, they all live at home in Abuja, which is the, capital um, city of the country. And then I live here in Texas and I have a cousin in Charlotte, North Carolina and a, you know some other distant relatives sprinkled around the, the, the United States. So it's, it's not as bad as it was when I first came. And was it always Texas where you've lived in the States or have you moved around a little? I have moved around a little bit. When I first came, I went to Howard, which is in Washington, DC. But when I arrived, when I hit the, the ground, here for the first time was New York. I went to stay with my aunt in Brooklyn, New York, on Flatbush Avenue. And then from there, I went to Washington, D.C. to do my residency. So my school is Howard and is in Washington, D.C., but I lived in Virginia, which just had, you know, a little bit better, you know, access to living quarters that are, you know, a little bit. The D.C. is, is a special kind of city. <laughs> I mean, you can live there, but most people live outside of D.C. and just commute to D.C. Right. I, that's what I did. So I lived in Virginia, and I just took the train, the L train, I think, the yellow line or something like that. And that brought me to to D.C., literally to, to Howard University. There's a stop there. You just get off and you walk to the place. And then I bought my car, and then I could drive. And then I got married, and then we moved to Maryland, which is also borders dc so there's dc then there's maryland on one side and then there's virginia on one side so i lived in virginia then i schooled in dc then i lived in maryland after i got and after i got married and then after that we moved to the carolinas so that's kind of how that worked out right so you have been around a bit toward the country it sounds like um well i do like traveling I've seen quite a few states. Let me see. Uh, yeah, maybe about 10 states, maybe. I don't know. I haven't, I never sat down to count. One of my sons went to school at Stanford. So I've been to California because of that. Mm-hmm. We've been to Florida because we went on a Disney cruise, what, three times now. So we went to Florida. And then we also went, I have family members there. So I've been to a couple of events there. And then mm. some. I also went to one conference or the other in Florida. I have friends who live in Atlanta, Georgia, but also when we lived in South Carolina, it's only four hours away from Atlanta, Georgia. So we, mm. we 
drive there easily. I've been to Alabama. I've been to Tennessee, went to Knoxville, Tennessee, and then went to Nashville, Tennessee. And then we lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the next city to, is that like a sister state to South Carolina, where my practice was in South Carolina, but we lived in North Carolina. We lived in Maryland after the marriage. And then we've been to Canada, which is not quite the U.S., but so to go there, we had to stop in Ohio with some to see some family friends for a day or so. So, I mean, you know, it kind of adds up, right? After a while, it's that like yeah. pretty much it's together. So, yeah, it was too many. I think about it. I think I've probably done about 10 states, maybe more. Impressive. Very impressive. Mm-hmm. So this question is about as open-ended as you want it to be. I do want to talk about your podcast, but what do you do that makes you interesting? It sounds like you're pretty interesting as a doctor. What are you a doctor in? I'm a pediatrician, so that makes me a children's doctor. Mm-hmm. I basically see kids from birth, which is age zero, right, yeah. to 21. So at the age of 21, then it's time for them to move on to an adult doctor. That's what, I, that's what I've done for the past 29 and a half years. But as of July 5th, 2021, I'm going to hang up my stethoscope and just do coaching, life coaching. So I'm currently getting, I'm in training to get certified as a life coach right now as I speak to you. So tell me about Suicides Pages, your podcast. Oh, Suicide Pages. It's my um, it's my my podcast, just like any other podcast. It's we mostly talk to people who are talking their walk about suicide, either trauma on their own as a child, or maybe they're doctors and they treat patients that have been suicidal or that have died by suicide, or maybe their parents and their kids die by suicide, or maybe they're just regular people who have themselves been suicidal or they've had family members who died by suicide. So just pretty much anybody who is touched by suicide is who I want to talk to. And suicide is just one of those topics that, you know, no one wants to talk about it. But when you say, so who in here has been affected by suicide? And everybody, you know, raises their hands. So that's kind of how that cookie crumbles. Yeah. And I think for me as a celebrant, the, the issue of suicide it was the first question that someone asked on my training course was how do you handle the funeral of someone who has taken their own life and it's a very very important question to ask because we're all going to end up dealing with a suicide at some point in the job that I do and I don't think I was ready for it so I find the taboo of the talking about suicide something that we need to fight, something that we need to put out there as it's not a taboo. And you're doing great yeah, work, I, was, I think. Yeah, I was waiting for you to say that. I was going to say, I mean, the answer to that question is the same way you handle a suicide and you, you handle a funeral of somebody who died by, from a train wreck. I mean, it's the same thing. And I think what I do in my podcast, what I try to do is take the sting of the stigma, right? Someone who dies by suicide it's important that we celebrate the life that they lived and not define that entire life by the way they died. That's not fair on them. 
That's really I couldn't agree more. Memory. It's not fair on the family members. It's not fair to stigmatize the family because they, they lost someone to suicide. It's not fair because the person who kills themselves, now that I know more about that, they actually, they think they're literally doing you a favor in a sense because they are in so much pain. They just want their pain to end. So they're not saying, oh, I'm going to kill myself so I can make you have a miserable time. No, they're saying, I'm going to kill myself so I don't have to deal with this pain anymore. And once people look at it that way, it's not about you. It's not about you. My suicide is not about you. But once yeah. you look at it as it's been about you, then you start judging me. But I'm already dead. OK, so calm down, you mm -hmm. know. So I think the, the, the funeral should be the exact same way. You celebrate the life that they lived. It doesn't matter about how they died. But it's not fair to judge the entire beautiful life by just the way they died. And I couldn't agree more. And that is exactly what we were told on our training courses, that it doesn't matter how someone died, regardless. You, you may have a different type of grief to deal with when you're dealing with that person's family. But ultimately, the ceremony that you present for somebody is about celebrating their life, regardless of the way their life ended. And yeah, it's incredibly important to me that it's done in a way that is dignified and doesn't hide the fact that they took their own life but you certainly no. don't ever concentrate on it exactly you should not you should you should get past that and and it, it might even for some it might even sound like it's easy to do and i tell you i said what if it's easy to do hold space for yourself and just say you know what this is not hard to do because a lot of people get stuck in that mindset of, oh my goodness, oh my, what if it's not hard to do? What if you just think about that person as, you know, yeah, they died before it was their time, but what if they had been struck by lightning? They will have still been dead, right? But when that person is struck by lightning, they're still dead. So you're still in pain and yeah. it's still untimely. You know what I mean? It's still unplanned, whether it's a car wreck or shot by the police or, you know, except maybe someone who's sick and aged, mm -hmm. so they're, they're older and maybe they have, you know, cancer and you can see that they're in pain and in your mind is like, yeah, they're no longer in pain. Well, the person who killed themselves by suicide, usually they're also in pain. It's just invisible to you. Yeah. Yeah. What if you approached every suicide like that? Like they're no longer in pain versus I can't believe he did that. Mm, I agree. I think we're going to come back and talk about your podcast and how people can get in touch with you a little bit later. So let's move on and talk about birth. When and where and how were you born? I was born in 69, which I think mm -hmm. is a cool year to be born. And it's actually, cool song. I have, yeah, I have a tattoo on my wrist, on my radio, over my radial artery that's got the number 69 on it which mm -hmm. has a special story about it. But yes, I was born in 69. I was born in March of 69. I guess I was a vaginal birth. I don't know. I was I was there, but I was a baby. And I didn't really ask my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, so I, I grew up in Nigeria pretty much. When did you move to the States? Was it Were you about teenage, was it? No, no, I was 24, I think, or 25. Right. Yeah. So I came in as an adult. So tell me your favorite story about your childhood. I don't know that I have a favorite story. And I, and I know people people say that a lot. I literally do not have 
one favorite story because childhood is a continuum. So mm. it's days and you know they're going to more days and going to more days and they're they're happy days and they're not happy days. So you know the the happier days versus favorite. I think the happier days usually are the days where where I'm at home either with my grandmother or on on either side in the village for the holidays and I get to see all my cousins and I get to hang out with you know my grandmothers. My grandfather had seven wives so I, I got to hang out in either of the wives homes with all of their kids and so that was very unique and happy. Yeah. I don't know that I was favorite per se it's just all of them were good you know the, the, the not so good days helped me appreciate the the, the gooder days if that's such a thing right mm. but yeah but I think the ones I really had the best the most fun was when we we're in the village having fun and I went to an all-girls high school that was fun too because I didn't I didn't have to stay at home during my formative years from 11 to about 16 I was in a boarding school and we get to go home for the holidays but then you get to go back to school so that was mm. a lot of fun just being able to live not at home and experience growth with you know other girls and just how that is like, right? I was always happy to go home, but I was also very, very happy to come to school. And so graduation was like, right. oh my goodness, this is it's gonna end. Like what? I'm not ready. And then and then had to go to college, which was another experience. So yeah, I think the fun days were mixed with the not fun days. I was also sexually molested at the age of nine. So some people, Thanks. you know, you can, you know, decide to define your childhood with that. And I was bullied when I was in elementary school and when I was in high school. But I don't look at that. And I was raped in medical school. But again, you don't define in that time by that. I just say that, yeah, but there was also good times. And, you know, thanks to people now realizing the Me Too movement, when a mm. girl is raped or when a man or a boy is raped, it's, not, it's never their fault. But there are no. still people out there who, you know, well, what were you wearing or... What did she say? Or did she really mean a no? And, you know, things like that, which, which, as you and I know, are not right. Absolutely not. And I, I think it's incredibly important that people like yourself are so open and honest about this. And other people can hear that it isn't just them that is in this boat. There are people who have been successful and lived a good life who have encountered and overcome the incredible hardship that you've that you've encountered that's that's incredibly important yeah i mean there's we've got people more famous names like oprah who everyone knows that she was sexually assaulted and ended up pregnant and then the baby died trauma life is about trauma and I, i'm very very comfortable talking about my traumas now i was married to an abusive husband but i had three beautiful children from that so mm. you know whatever however you look at it you can look at the glass as half empty or half full, I look at the glass as having water in it. And you can always refill it if you need it. So you, it is a perception, but it's how you choose to perceive your perception. And then that becomes your reality. And I choose to not look at life from all the hardship. That's why I can do a podcast about suicide. That's why I can pull it mm. off. Not everyone can pull it off, and that's okay too. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So you've said you've got three children. Mm -hmm. They were all born in the States, I'm guessing, yeah? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And did you have a naming ceremony, a christening or another ceremony to welcome them into the world? Yes, we have those. We have naming ceremonies is, is, is a traditional thing that we do in Nigeria. So, yeah, we have that. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So are they religious or are they non-religious in Nigerian naming ceremony? Um, well, Nigerians are mostly religious now, so they are. We have traditional still, and you know, just like weddings, we have traditional weddings, and then we have what we call the white wedding, which is essentially the church wedding, and mm-hmm. it's called white, I think, partially because you wear white, but also I think because it's also a, a Western thing. We have, a, <laughs> we have traditional naming ceremonies, and then you turn around and then still go to church and baptize the kid. So the reason we do those things, I think, is because we still believe that you know we're st- everything is still rooted in tradition and tradition and if you really wanted to be honest you could just do one and just be done with it mm. but for some reason we feel a need to do both so we do both when somebody dies they have the traditional burial ceremony and then they go to church and if somebody has a get married they have a traditional wedding and then they do a what they call a white wedding and mm. then if you have if you have a baby you do the naming ceremony and then you go to and still do baptism I don't know why we decide to carry this kind of load in our heads, but we do. It's what we do. <laughs> it's what we do. That seems really lovely that you recognise your faith, but you also recognise your culture. They don't need to be completely interwoven. And you've kind of kept them separately. And it seems to me like you get two parties. Yes, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that people say, you know, you get to you get to do it twice. And there's a, there's a lot to be said about getting to do it twice. My only concern is at what cost those things are very expensive extremely mm. expensive and it's just now that people i think are you know doing better about not allowing themselves to be sucked into you know basically what i call rolling with the joneses okay because the joneses had a big wedding i must have a big wedding people are yeah. doing better now people are doing better about that and i'm i'm grateful about that Mm. Mm. Doing better, but it's not still mainstream. The mainstream is still to do two marriages. I think after these, this lockdown, I think more people are becoming more, more aware that just do one and just be done with it. What happens is you end up possibly, you know, getting all the weddings and all the everything you wanted, and then you owe millions of dollars because you did that. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's kind of why we need to be just more careful and just decide, and just do one and be done with it. <laughs> yeah. So the, the naming ceremonies you did, have you got any interesting stories about any of them? Or could you maybe tell me a little bit more about the traditions you might have in a Nigerian naming ceremony? Mm, for my three boys, we did, they were all born here, and so we did them here. Mm-hmm. The, the summary of it is essentially the, the elder, maybe the, the elderly statesman or the, the oldest family member gets mm-hmm. to name the child or gets to perform the ceremony. My ex-husband, they have a, a little bit more traditional one than we do because we, we're, we're both from the same from the eastern part of Nigeria but we if we speak uh, we, theirs is a dialect of, of mine so right. I know about those and they, they, you have to have salt and you have to have palm oil and then you have to have dried fish and then each one means something different and I can't remember exactly what they mean but each 
one is symbolic and then they have to like touch the child with it and then bless the child with it and then you know name the child and everybody gets to pray for the child and things like that it's actually pretty it's fun it's just mm. yeah and then you get to say what 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 name do you want to name your child and you pick the name you want to name your child usually the child gets called the name that their father names them because we still live in a for the most part a patriarchal society mm. you know it's, it's about men and they get to make most of my their decisions yeah. but yeah but for some for some people too you know they 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 go by the names that their mother gives them but that's the exception rather than the rule usually the father names the child and then the child gives that name so and before they, the ceremony you didn't know the name that your child was going to be given is that right no no I if it's my if this if the child's father names the child, that means that the child's father is my husband, right? So of course yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Saying, as far as the ceremony goes, I mean, you you already start, you already know what you want to call your kid, and you can call them the kid. And I think right. it's usually done on the eighth day right. of of life, so it's pretty early. But you already know what you want to call your child. Right. <laughs> you okay. Know whatever you want to call them. But officially, that's when you actually name them. So you do know you do know what you want to name them, and and we, they usually get multiple names. Nigerian children usually have multiple names. Right, fascinating. And so I assume that if you were to have another child, you would want to do the same thing. Yeah, except I would not be having another another child anytime soon. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be 52. That's one. And number two, I've had a hysterectomy, so that's not going to happen at all. Oh, but, fair enough. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I think, I mean, there's it's absolutely, no, I, I like, I, lo I love the fact that we have traditions and we stick to our traditions. I think that's one of the, the things that we still have going for us in Africa, at least. It's one of the things we still have going for us. Mm. And for that reason, you know, I, I just, I'm just so thankful and so proud to to be an African, or at least to be Nigerian, we we definitely still hold on to many of our customs. All right, let's move on and talk about weddings and marriage. First question is: Are you married? I am currently married. Yes, I'm currently remarried. Yes. Okay, so tell me about your wedding day. So the first one was to my ex-husband. There was a tr traditional wedding in the sense that it was male, female. And mm -hmm. we had, but the wedding was in Maryland in the USA. We had, I don't know if it was like 600 people that attended that wedding or more. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of the Nigerian thing. When we get married, usually you don't, like you can literally go to a wedding and you don't even know who the bride and the groom are. We don't say sit on this side. So that we don't do that. You just go. Right. Your friends are going. So let's go. What are you guys doing this weekend? I'm going to a wedding. Okay. Come pick me up and we'll go. So that's what we do. So everyone is usually invited. Like literally everybody's invited to the wedding. And I know people could not believe that. What? I said, yes, yes, you can come. If you're not working, come on, come along. And so that's that was a traditional Nigerian wedding in, in that sense. We went to church and it was good. It was a good, okay wedding. And usually you you wear your white wedding clothes, which like I said, the, the I guess Western clothes. The girl has a gown, the man has a 
I don't know, suit on. And then yeah. you change when you get to the reception into your traditional clothes. I mean, you can you can do the bridal dance in the white clothes. And then you usually, and what we did was you now kind of exit the hall and then you come back in your traditional clothes. And then at that time, that re-entry into the hall, to the, into the reception hall, you have, you're trailed by the women they're kind of like welcoming the bride into the fold. And then there's another big dance thing again. And then in Nigeria, we have Nigeria specifically, we have a tradition where we call spraying. So they spray you with money. And literally, <laughs> the people just come and give you money. And I remember we we had $6,000 from our spraying. I remember that. And then we used that to, to I think we got like a, deep freezer and then we invested in like the kids college funds and it was great it was really good so but uh, you, you, you can use it for whatever you want to use it for and it's free money for you so your friends come as you're dancing they spray you and then they spray each other and they spray their friends and all the money is gathered by whoever you ask to gather it for you and then good to grief yeah so if you ever see a nigerian traditional wedding you will see spraying going on you will that's what we do no matter where the wedding is and if it's iceland if it's nigerians you will see spraying it's just what we do and what about your wedding to your current partner your current we went to the courthouse i had already done the big fat greek wedding right i already did that so (laughs) and she's a very private person she's not my ex-husband was kind of private but the Nigerians generally, and then my wife is also not Nigerian. She's Liberian. She's half Liberian and half British. So it was, it was just a very quiet thing. We went to the <clears throat> the Justice of the Peace, I guess is what I'll call it, to the, mm-hmm. the town hall. And then coincidentally, the people that were before us at the town hall, which is crazy, was another couple, like a, a gay couple. And they had come by themselves and we had come by ourselves and other people were there. But then, so since they were before us or were they ahead of us, or maybe we were ahead of them, I don't know. Either way, we had just kind of decided, oh, you guys are getting married too. And they were like, oh, we're getting married too. And so we're dressed alike. They were dressed alike. And then in the end, I had my camera with me. And so I was happy because I was like, okay, who's going to take pictures of us? You know, so so this couple just happened to be in front of us. So I was like, okay, how about we take pictures of you guys and then you guys take pictures of pictures of us and so that's adorable nice yeah so that was nice and then everybody went about went about their their merry way (laughs) so have you got any funny stories related to either of your weddings how about funny i think i think that was a good one because we were just wondering who was gonna because people are still homophobic so I, I, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God, we're going to go. We're going to get married. And then we, we can't tell these regular people who have their fingers up their ASS to take us pictures because they'll probably be like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe, you know, these two girls are getting married. So I think that that happened just it was divine intervention that that couple just happened to be right next to us. Either they were before mm. us or they were after us. And then we ended up taking each other's pictures. And that I thought that was that was actually one of the highlights of the day. And um, so that was good. That was I, I like that. That was fun. Are you still in touch, or was it a one-time thing? No, we we were in touch for a minute, but then I don't. I didn't live there. So, so she lived in Maryland, and we got married in Maryland. But I lived in 
North Carolina. So when I came back to North Carolina, I don't know, I just didn't. And I think about them from time to time because I see our wedding picture on my Facebook page every single day. And I always remember who took the picture because you know, I see the picture. I always, I always remember, oh, yeah, I wonder how those guys are doing. So what song did you pick for your first dance? Um, for my first wedding, it was, um, I think it was Luther Vandross's, um, there was Luther Vandross's one. Right. And then, and then, like I said, you dance out and then you dance back in with the traditional and then, and then they play traditional music for you. So, and I know you don't know that, that's like a Nigerian music. But yeah, it was, um, it was Luther Vandross's. This is love. Is that what it's called? When we walk. No, right. I forget the name of that. I don't. I don't. I don't remember the name of the song. But yeah. <laughs> and did we you have one for your? No, no, your wife? No, no, no. Because it was no. I mean, we went to the justice of the peace, which is basically the courthouse. So you're not dancing at the courthouse. You just go. You do your swaying in, and if you have to go back to work, you go back to work. If you have to go back to school, you go back to school. I mean, we went home, and I can't remember what we did, but but it wasn't like. Um, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. Mm-mm. So it feels like you had two very extreme ends of the scale when it comes to your two weddings, by the sounds of things. Yes, yes, yes. And I think I know why that happened. That happened because I could have also gone out to do the for the second one, but she's a very extremely private person. She was like, "No, I don't want to do that." And then I had already done my dream wedding, so to say. So it was. It was like an easy sell for me. Like, okay, sure, no problem. So we are going to move on to the section about death and funerals. And the first one is the big one. Are you scared of death? I don't know that I am necessarily. I don't think I'm ready, but I don't know that I am. I Mm. think as a mother, or maybe I should rephrase that as a parent, once you have children, you realize all of a sudden that you will take the death for your child. I think that for me is one of the most powerful realizations that, I, that have come to me. Like, I would rather die than my kid. Yeah. But before I had kids, I don't think I was, I think I was just really selfish. Oh, I don't want to die. I don't want, you know. But I think once you have children, you suddenly see that this person is the best part of you. It is. They are. Mm. So you rather take the bullet for them. And so I think from that aspect, my boys are still 22, 20, and 16. Mm. I don't think I'm ready to die. Me, personally. I would like to see them get older. However, if death were to come knocking on either one of their doors, I would exchange myself for them. So that's kind of how I'm I'm looking at death now since I became a parent. And I'm very comfortable right. with that. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, I, I think I know the answer to this. Have you ever experienced the death of a loved one? None of my parents or my siblings, but my grandparents, yes. yes. And my grandparents' deaths, I was, I want to say I was lucky almost because I was here, so I didn't really experience them, if that makes any sense. And because I wasn't in Nigeria when they died, it probably didn't hit me as much as it could or would or should have hit me 
right? Right. Yeah. Did you do anything in the States to commemorate them or to celebrate their life or to to mark it in any way? No, not really. Seeing as you couldn't go to the funeral. No, not really. But I mean, mostly what I did was I wrote poetry because I do write poetry. So I wrote poetry. Of course, we didn't have Zoom and Skype and video calls then. No. I would have maybe called in, you know, maybe to... I don't know, be present. No. Cool. I just sent them a, a written, like, you know, like a written letter or one of them was a letter, one of them was poetry. But actually, I take that back. I think my grandfather on my dad's side died when I was home. So, yes, I, I attended his funeral. But his funeral was extremely traditional. Oh, my goodness. Right extremely traditional oh my god because he was like a very traditional person and it's oh goodness it was a huge event oh my god and i was only 13 then and we have we have certain things i I didn't want to cut my hair but one of the things you have to do as a woman again patriarchal society Mm-hmm. All kinds of misogyny going on, um, but yeah, we have to cut our hair. So if right. a woman dies, they have to cut her hair. If a girl's father dies and she's not married, she has to cut her hair. If she's married, she has to take permission from her husband if if he wants her to cut her hair. It's just this kind of things that you know that are rooted deeply in tradition. So yeah, when it comes to mm. tradition, I'm proud of my tradition. There are so many aspects of it that. We could probably change. Do you think you'd cut your hair now were your parents to to, to pass on? No, really. I mean, again, I'm 52 now. Plus, I'm the first child of my family. If I wanted to, I would. Just out of mm. when my wife's father died, she cut her hair. Right. And she's half she's half Liberian and half British, so you can imagine the amount of hair we're talking about here. And I <laughs> left it short. I don't know that I'll cut my hair and. I, and it doesn't matter. I mean, I know if my father dies today, my biggest concern is not the hair on my head, really. It's the grandchildren, is my siblings, is his estate, is all of that. And I also, at 52 years old, if I don't want to cut my hair, nobody's going to make me cut my hair. Makes I'm sense. Not, I'm not going to do it. But then again, <laughs> I, might, I, might, I might want to. I, I don't know how I'll feel. But I'm not going to do it because, oh, tradition, no. I'm, no, I'm way past that. Mm. So we're going to move on to talk about your funeral. And the first question is, do you want to be buried or cremated? I think I told the boys cremation a while back. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Is there a particular reason for that? Is it uh, no? Because it, I, don't, I don't want to. I, I don't want my kids to have anything to worry about. Okay, we have to go to Wisconsin where mom is buried. No, I don't want that. Like just, I have in my will to cremate me, and then mm-hmm. a year after that to take my ashes on my first anniversary, to take my ashes to my favorite beach in the whole wide world, and just sprinkle the ashes there, and just keep it moving. Lovely. That's a really nice thing. So have you thought about what reading you might like to be read at your funeral? No, but I do know that I've always said, even though I I don't want to be buried, I've always said, you know, if there was going to be 
something like an epitaph on my tombstone. It'll be, beneath the stone lies mom. She lived. Because <laughs> I really did. I did live life on my own terms. And, and I don't mind them writing. She lived life on her own terms. I, I really feel that way. Every single thing I've done, even the ones I, even the decisions I regret, I made them, you know, with my yeah. eyes open. I mean, so no regrets whatsoever. I think beneath the stone lies mom, she lived is what I want because it's just positive words because I'm sure they're going to probably have them, they probably charge them the more words, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, but she loved to live is another one. She loved to live is good. But then they don't have to. They they just they just cremate me and just keep it moving. Mm. I'm dead already. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, what music tracks would you select for the entrance, the reflection, and the exit parts of your funeral? I don't know. I don't have any. I don't have anything chosen. The only thing I I know I want them to wear bright colors because I love bright colors either white or bright colors and my kids have my they have my phone they have my music just something from my ipod i love every kind of music any the only kind of music i don't like maybe is heavy metal other than that yeah. any kind of music is fine if you listen to my ipod you hear everything from celine dion to i don't know dido to 38 special to <laughs> I don't know, Don Williams to Jim Reeves to, you know, I don't know, India Ari, you know, who you could just, you can get any kind of music. I have Tupac Shakur, I have LL Cool J, I have Denzel, not Denzel, I have um, the guy I was talking about earlier on, Luther Vandras. I have all kinds of music in my music. I have Enya, I, I mean, I have all kinds <laughs> of music. Her, she's on there, whoever, just. I'm very, any kind of music is fine. I think that's a lovely idea, though, is that you basically say, take my iPod and pick the three songs that you like that fit me best. That's a really nice thing. Yeah, it's not even going to be three songs. We're not going to do that. We're just going to have a party. And we're just right. going to just dancing because I love to dance. On any given day, you see me dancing on, on Facebook for like four hours, just dancing to my iPod music. Because I really want my boys to not have any... I don't want them to have to deal with any stress. They're already stressed out. They already are. Their parents just died. And so this is extra. It's just you're not thinking about the kids when you're doing that. You're thinking about yourself. And that's not necessary. Just come. Nothing is going to bring me back. Just make sure you love each other and, you know, carry my torch. And just tell the people that, you know, mom just loved living so much. She doesn't want anybody to cry. Right? And her funeral. It's it's okay. Yeah. I could get one yeah. more day, I would I would, but since I, I couldn't, I didn't, and that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Lulu, it's been bloody lovely having you on my <laughs> podcast. And um I've, I I love getting people on that have got a different story to my mid forties, white male British kind of almost not not tunnel vision, but you know, it's just so nice to have someone that is way out of my normal friendship group to come onto the podcast. I'm incredibly grateful for you for, for doing this. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. My pleasure. I mean, what are you going to do? You know? Where can people listening find you on the internet and tell tell them about your podcast? 
So my podcast is called Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. That's the the full name. Mm -hmm. And it's available pretty much anywhere that people listen to podcasts. And if you go to a place that you listen to podcasts and you don't hear it, let me know. And I'll try to get it on there. Do you have social media that people can follow you on? Yes, absolutely. So I'm mostly on Facebook. I like to stay there more. So my Facebook page or my business Facebook page is Ask Doctor. So the word doctor, then Lulu. Lovely. So thank you so much for joining me on Life's Milestones. (laughs) I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. I just want to say one more time, thank you so much to Dr. Lulu for being my guest on Life's Milestones. What an incredible woman she is. Check out her podcast. And also, if you're interested in her life coaching stuff and all the other stuff, check out her website as well. Going back to the conversation I had about how I met Dr. Lulu, I want to make it very clear to anyone who's ever been a guest on Life's Milestones that if you want me to take down your episode, I will do that immediately with no quibble, no questions asked, because that's important to me. Before I go, I'm just going to talk very briefly about the state of naming ceremonies and weddings in Britain at the moment. We are in lockdown three, which means that there are no naming ceremonies allowed and weddings are, and the government described it this way, not me, are only really allowed if they are deathbed weddings. What they mean is if someone's dying and they want to get married before they die. And... This is the home straight. Obviously, it's grim right now, but with the vaccine being rolled out, I can't wait until later in this year when I'm able to do my job properly and get those naming ceremonies in, get those weddings in, because it is a joy to be able to do what I do. Tell you something, though, this podcast and talking to people about these happy times has kept me going. So I want to say thank you to all of my guests over the last year and all of my listeners because it really is a reminder of what I've got coming back to me in my future and I can't wait so I want to say thank you to everybody involved everybody just all of you everybody thank you very much and yeah that's all I've got to say so thank you for listening and I will see you next time on Life's Milestones Life's Milestones is a podcast on the We Made This Podcast Network. The show's host is me, Mark Adams. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MarkAdamsHC. You can also find me on Facebook. Just search for Mark Adams Humanist Celebrant. My website is humanist.org.uk forward slash Mark Adams. Regular listeners to the podcast can claim a 10% discount on my fees for a naming ceremony or wedding just make sure you quote milestones when you get in touch. The theme tune for Life's Milestones is performed by Zach Reagan and the logo was created by Carl Bryan. Follow the show on Twitter at Life's Milestones. Thank you for listening. Elsewhere, 
on We Made This. The time is now. A Millennium podcast. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I'll, I will say that Rise of the Machines um, also kind of like argues against um, Terminator 2 of course back to where, where it was like Rise of the Machines like then goes <laughs> maybe they're both right and shrugs its shoulders it's like maybe you can prevent Judgment Day but only for a little while and it's like that's not an argument pick a side pick a lane you can either change the past or you can't none of this wishy-washy you can change it sometimes but you can't really change it so it all balances out yeah no pick a pick a damn side <laughs> Don't say the C word. On the back of my right arm, I have a tattoo of Phil Collins. It's, it's, <laughs> it's the front cover of No Jacket Required. Um... <laughs> this was the one that I expected you to pick, I'll be honest with you. Because yeah. it is my favourite of your tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a tattoo I got as a joke. A lot of my tattoos that I've got, a lot of, well, a lot of everything that I do <laughs> is because it's a joke or if, if I think something's funny. We Buy Records. Eric Clapton and Van Morrison have released an anti-lockdown song. How do you think about this? Where does this sit on the shitometer? I think it redefines the shitometer. Right. I just, you know, I mean, so I think it's raising money for musicians who are affected by the lockdown and the lack of gigs, etc. Mm-hmm. Which is a good thing. Yep. But then you see Van Morrison and Eric Clapton, a bad thing. So, right. do you know what I mean? I mean, I love, I yeah. love Van Morrison's music. I don't particularly like Eric Clapton's music. I quite like the 60s stuff. But, I, you know, they're a couple of whinging old men, aren't they? Old man babies complaining that they can't go and lick whoever they want. Ooh. I know. But that's what they're singing about, I think. I haven't I haven't checked that. I assume that the lyrics are about... You can take it as read that I haven't heard it. <laughs> it's not likely to have a banging donk on it, is it? It's unlikely to have a banging donk. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.